Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Victim Podcast with me Aisidu Jame and my co-host Lamin Fadera. After two and a half years of truth commission to unearth the truth about the 22 years of Yaya Jame misrule in the Gambia, the commission has submitted its report to His Excellency President Adam Barrow last year. But how many people have been recommended by the TRRC's report to be prosecuted by the commission? There are some people prosecuted before the High Court at the moment. And if you look at the TRRC report, they have recommended for close to 71, now 69 people to be prosecuted. Despite the recommendations of the TRRC's report, do perpetrators have the right to appeal the decision of the TRRC's report? So you investigate, you identify the perpetrator as required by law. Not just identify dumping the file, you also have to go ahead and prosecute the perpetrator. Of course, we know in prosecuting, the prosecutor to decide a fair trial. Mm-hmm. But whatever happens, there has to be due process. Mm-hmm. Make sure the prosecutor is perpetrated. With these and lots more to come on today's episode of the Victim Podcast, our special guest on the show is Gay Soul. This is the Victim Podcast. If this is the first time listening to the Victim Podcast, Welcome on board. You can listen to the previous episode on our website. The objective of the Victim Podcast is to raise awareness about the transitional justice beyond the work of the TRRC and highlight the importance of the implementation of the TRRC's report. This podcast will create a platform for victims, civil society organizations, and NGOs to ensure co-raise awareness of the non-recurrence of the human rights violations and the Never Again campaign is achieved in the form of a podcast. You can follow the Victim Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or better still, on Instagram. Now, let's begin with a brief profile of our guest on the show today. He is the Executive Director of the Institute for Human Rights and Development in Africa, a pan-African human rights organization based in the Gambia. He has spent more than 17 years at IHRDA. He rose through the ranks of legal officer, senior legal officer, to director of programs before his appointment as executive director in October 2015. Having gathered an incredible wealth of experience in litigation, capacity building, and advocacy at domestic and regional level, Gay is the resident law reference, especially in common law, constitutional law, criminal and non-discrimination law, he has done trainings and presentation on different areas of international human rights law with judicial and law enforcement officials, as well as lawyers and human rights activists in Africa and beyond. He is an expert member of the ECOSOC Working Group of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights and has made significant contribution in the development, the jurisprudence of various African human rights mechanisms. 
He was called to the Nigerian and Gambian bar in October and November 2000 respectively. He worked with Gambian judiciary as a principal magistrate and acting judicial secretary prior to joining IHRDA. He was a member of the steering committee for the establishment of the law faculty in the University of the Gambia and has been an adjutant lecturer at the University of the Gambia since inception. He was also a lecturer at the Gambia Law School until December 2014. He studied at the University of Essex International Human Rights Law Program and at the Obafemi Oluwa Law University Iliife in Nigeria Law School. He has also done short courses in alternative dispute resolution, election observation and human rights in the UK, the US, Germany, Hungary, Finland and Ghana. He is no other person than Mr. Gay Saul, the executive director of the Institute of Human Rights and Development. This is the Victim Podcast. Welcome back to the show. As the TRC completes its mandate to unearth the truth from the victims and perpetrators, over 390 witnesses have testified in the TRC in two and a half years. That's 871 days of public hearing. On the 24th December 2021, the government made the TRC report public. Among the recommendations of the Commission's report, it says that former President Yaya Jame is held responsible for the killing of over 240 people in his two decades of tyranny. What impact will this have on the transitional justice period and what approach shall the government take during the transitional justice period? Let's hear from our guests on the show. Geiso, the executive director of the Institute for Human Rights and Development in Africa. Just uh, as you can tell from the name, it's about transitioning. And uh, usually uh, when you talk about transitional justice, you're talking about states that have survived a conflict, an armed conflict, uh, usually in the form of a civil war during which many rights were violated, deciding they want to turn a new page, transition into a new era, new dawn, you know. But transitional justice is not just about states coming out of a conflict. It also is important for states that are coming out of a very difficult past. Difficult past as in uh, states that have seen uh, serious and massive violation of human rights, as in Gambia is an example, uh, from 1994 to 2016. So not just Gambia, we saw uh, transitional justice initiatives implemented in places like uh, Ghana. We never had a conflict in places like Tunisia, never had a conflict. And, of course, in so many countries in South America, particularly in the 80s, 90s, when there were military dictatorships from Argentina to Brazil to Chile to Peru, Colombia, and a host of others. So it was felt uh, the past was difficult in the sense many, many people had their rights violated. In some instances, killed, disappeared. So the best way is for us to have a conversation as to uh, you know how we can transition into a better country, better society. 
where the rice would be respected by all. So it is not uh, no news to everybody that we definitely saw a period where so many people had their rights violated. So that was why I think the current government made a promise before the 2016 election that if they were to win, they would make so we transition into what everybody now calls the new Gambia. Mm -hmm. So this is important to enable us to deal with our difficult past. And in most cases, when you say transitional justice, people use different, different approaches. Uh, that is an approach called truth-seeking. Let's find out what happened. You know, a historical record of the difficult past we're talking about. Uh, you know, in South Africa, they had a truth commission. Sierra Leone, they had a truth commission. Ghana, they had a truth commission. The Gambia decided to set up a truth commission. You know, so truth seeking is one of the approaches. Other than that, uh, that is also what we call criminal prosecutions. Others call it, you know, justice, as in accountability. Let's uh, investigate, identify the perpetrators, and make sure they're brought to justice. That's the second pillar. Another very important pillar is reparations, as in let's try to identify victims and make sure they given reparations, mm -hmm. which is uh, reparations in really the very broad sense, because we're not really talking about just giving out money. Mm -hmm. It could include, you know, things such as memorialization, whatever type of reparation you go for when we say transitional justice is always important to make sure that whatever is done is satisfactory. Satisfaction is key whenever you talk about reparations. It could be an apology like I said, memorialization, giving out money, you know, providing treatment to victims. So reparations is also a very, very important pillar. Then there is also the very important pillar of reform. Reform could be institutional reform, it could also be law reform. Uh, so coming back to your topic, yes, we needed to transition, which was why a truth commission was set up. We sat for a few years, everything was done in public. It is now clear to every Gambian as to how serious our situation was. Then the second pillar, criminal prosecutions, there are some people prosecuted before the High Court at the moment, and if you look at the TRRC report, they have recommended for close to 71, now 69 people to be prosecuted. So we have, you know, adopted the first approach, which is to seek in the second approach, criminal prosecutions. You know, we need to understand that will happen. So we would see the Gambia uh, going through that. Then for the third approach, uh, which is about reparations, of course, if you look at the report of the TRRC, particularly Volume 16, you would find all the details needed, as in all that they have done with respect to reparations. But clearly, you know, what they have done is just the beginning. We would expect um, the government to continue to provide reparations for those identified as victims. And then the last pillar, law reform, you know, we have... We're doing our best to try to change some of our laws, even though uh, I personally believe the process has really been extremely slow. 
constitutional reform. The pro you know the process started, but unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get to the very end. Uh, for security sector, I think that is ongoing. So we can talk about a new Gambia where people will be treated uh, equally with dignity. You know, uh, where there would be no enforced disappearances, no extrajudicial killings. You know, an independent judiciary. If we did not transition from that difficult past to a Gambia that is fit for not just the mm -hmm. current generation of Gambians living here, but even for all future generations. So transitioning is extremely important. Since the new government came to power in 2017, one of its promises to the Gambians was constitutional reform. In September 2020, the hopes of many Gambians for a new constitution was dashed after 31 members of the National Assembly voted for the draft constitution and 23 members rejected for the bill to pass by the lawmakers. The 1997 Constitution is still maintained by the National Assembly. Will this hinder the process of the transitional justice period? Yes. Uh, uh, in fact, um, it, um, I'm not saying it's impossible. But, of course, we might hit roadblock, roadblocks, you know, particularly in our bid to make sure you know, all those identified in the TRRC report are, you know, prosecuted. Um, that is, in particular what in law we call the principle of legality, meaning you cannot be punished for something that did not constitute a crime at the time uh, you, 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 you committed it, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that is uh, provided for in uh, Section 24 of our Constitution, meaning if, for example, uh, the allegation is, uh, you know, torture, mm -hmm. And we're saying the torture happened in 1994, probably during November 11, mm -hmm. uh, 1994, or those September 6 accidents, 1994. Uh, the issue is, how do you go about prosecuting? When, at the time those crimes were committed, Gambia did not have a law criminalizing torture, mm -hmm. or maybe enforced disappearances. Of course, you are a victim of and for an enforced disappearance, at least your father uh, being disappeared, I think, uh, many years ago. Mm. The thing would be, even if the perpetrators are identified, how do you go about having them charged with enforced disappearance mm. when, even as we speak, this country doesn't really have a law criminalizing enforced disappearances? So these are legal arguments. Some lawyers you know, might come up with. Uh, we were very much mindful of that. Of course, we're not saying we drafted the Constitution because we wanted to pave the way for some people to be prosecuted. But what we, if you look at uh, the draft, unfortunately rejected. I think Section 43, is it 43 or 45? I haven't looked at the draft for quite a while. We uh, came up with an exception, saying if, that, if it is, for example, a crime you know, which constitutes a violation of customary international law, then that principle would not apply. So that really would have made it possible, like if the allegation is torture and forced disappearance, that really would have made it possible for prosecutions to be. But like now, there is a question mark. Mm -hmm. But maybe, I mean, uh, this is something that would have to go to court, something our courts would have to deal with, you know. So 
other than the you know constitution, there are a host of other laws that needed change, but we really haven't seen any other than, of course, um, uh, the new law they uh, passed. Uh, you know, the access to information law. There are still a host of other laws that needed to be revisited, and unfortunately, nothing has happened. Like if you look at the NIA Act. If you look at the IT TRRC report, the TRRC found the NIA was really responsible for a lot of the violations. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the agency is given very, very wide powers. We were expecting, of course, new Gambia parliament, new government will look into some of these. Those that are anti-democratic have them corrected. But that hasn't happened yet. We have a law that indemnifies officers who killed during a period of emergency with expected that to be, you know, prioritized as in the repeal or the amendment of that law to be prioritized. Uh, but as we speak, that really hasn't happened. There are, like I said, a host of others, but unfortunately we haven't done well making sure some of these, these laws are, you know, put where they belong, as in in the bin. So that's, that's really one of the frustrations, one of the challenges. Finally, Gay Sow, what is the responsibility of the state in the transitional justice period? You know, in, in law we have what we call uh, state responsibility. Mm -hmm. State responsibility in the sense, whenever you talk about human rights, the violation of human rights, we always would say the state is the primary duty bearer. So under our constitution, under all the treaties we have ratified, the duty is imposed on government to get to the bottom of any and every human rights violation. So which means at the end of the day, we expect the government to investigate, identify whoever is responsible for the violations. The TRRC did a good job at least making uh, it clear as to who is responsible for what. So identification, you don't just stop at identifying, you have to go ahead and prosecute. Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a duty that never changes. Mm -hmm. You investigate, and the investigation has to be very effective. Mm -hmm. We have what we call the due diligence standard. So you investigate, you identify the perpetrator as acquired by law. Not just identify, dumping the file, you also have to go ahead and prosecute the perpetrator. Of course, we know in prosecuting, the prosecutor to deserves a fair trial. Mm -hmm. but whatever happens, there has to be due process. Make mm -hmm. sure so the prosecutor is perpetrated. It doesn't just stop at prosecuting the perpetrator. The victim of the violation too has to be provided with a remedy. You know, so it's really not just enough, for example, to say X Y Z committed murder or disappeared X Y Z. So all we have to do is just go to court, get him prosecuted, have him sentenced to death or life imprisonment. He does not stop there. Victims deserve a remedy. They need to be provided with a remedy. And this is a legal obligation you can find in our constitution and other laws. Mm -hmm. A legal obligation you can also find in treaties we have ratified. Mm -hmm. So which means investigate, prosecute, punish. Mm -hmm. If the last pillar is missing, which is providing victims with a remedy, then the government would have failed in discharging its duty mm -hmm. to the victims in particular.
in particular, or to all Gambians. So here too, it's important for me to add, when we say remedy, we're not just talking about any kind of remedy. The remedy has to be effective, a very effective remedy. And of course, satisfaction is important, something that is to the satisfaction of the victim. So what do we expect? Investigate, prosecute, uh, punish, and provide the victim with a remedy. So anything short of that, if any of these is missing, then the duty owed to victims, to Gambia, Gambians, would not have been discharged. You know, so we're just saying, yes, the work has started. So far, everything seems to be on track. So we have to follow this road to the very end. So the truth-seeking, they've investigated. Now, what is next? Justice, criminal prosecutions. And at the end of the day, whatever prosecutions we come up with, I mean, we have to make sure there is victim participation. And whatever is ordered by the court has also to be satisfactory to the victim. So that is key. So if we do not do that, then the Gambia would have failed its people. Government would have failed in discharging its obligation. So that's key. Listeners, this is all about it for today's episode on the Victim Podcast. Many thanks to our special guest, Mr. Gay Soul, for coming to the show. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our social media pages, The Victim Podcast, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also download The Victim Podcast. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and better still, you can also download from our Facebook page. I have been your host, Aisidu Jame, and Lamin Fadera as your co-host on the show today. Thank you very much, and see you on our next episode of The Victim Podcast. Yes.